Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and I'm here with Jay Jones. Morning. Good morning. You're a little bit rusty on that I was intro. A little bit, I was a little bit rusty. It's all right. Yep. We'll get back into it. Well, we're back. It's free-for-all Friday time, and um, I think you do have a few uh, kind of unplanned things to talk about. Uh, but kind of the theme for this one, this podcast, I think will be like pastoral integrity. Maybe we'll just explore what it means to be a pastor. And so kind of some of the um, things that we see in the modern world as far as pastors, I think, falling to the sin of ambition. Mm. I think that's a dangerous thing for pastors, especially in our day, and you can see it play out in, in the world um, and so kind of, I'll start with this just as an intro to that, and then we'll take a break, and I think you want to talk about Ben Shapiro for a minute, and then we'll jump back into our main topic. And then one of the fun things about Free For All Friday is we really don't have anything super planned out usually. Sometimes we do, like we did the kind of episodes on eschatology. We plan those out a little bit in more detail, but it's one of the fun things I love about the podcast is it's mainly just us kind of talking and throwing these ideas off of each other, and that's really that's enjoyable for me, and hopefully uh, people like that part of the podcast, and so today's won't be super planned out, but that's the general kind of theme and topic is uh, the danger of pastoral ambition, kind of maybe how that can hurt the church, uh, Testimony in the world. So here's a quote that I, I came across. One of my friends posted it on his Facebook. He got some interaction. And the one, the part that he quoted was this. It's by C.S. Lewis. It is, he says, uh, When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. Of course, people push back on that, and they say, oh, we're already at enmity with the world. Like, that's not why. Christ is a stumbling block. We heard those things. But there's legitimacy to this uh, quote. It comes at the very end of Mere Christianity, after he's kind of gone through his proofs, which are, are very good. I, I recommend reading that book. Uh, but the full quote kind of captures it better. Here's the full quote. If conversion to Christianity makes no improvement in a man's outward actions, if he continues to be just as snobbish or spiteful or envious or ambitious, and I want to reiterate that one, or as ambitious as he was before, because that's going to tie into what we talk about with pastors, quote continues, then I think we must suspect that his conversion was largely imaginary, and after one's original conversion, every time one thinks one has made an advance, that is the test to apply. Fine feelings, new insights, greater interest in religion mean nothing unless they make our actual behavior better. Just as in illness, just as in illness, feeling better is not much good if the thermometer shows that your temperature is still going up. In that sense, the outer world is quite right to judge Christianity by its results. Christ told us to judge by results. A tree is known by its fruit, or as we say, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. And I think this is 
something <clears throat> worth reflecting upon, because Christ does tell us that we'll be known by our fruit. And by that, he doesn't mean that we have five billion followers on Twitter, that we have, you know, however many on TikTok, or even that our congregation is very large. That doesn't mean, really mean anything. It comes down to the fruit of the Spirit as evident in someone's life. And so if we become a stumbling block to the world because we pr- don't produce any fruit at all, then that is a real problem. And so my kind of uh, assertion today is this, how much more then for a pastor? Okay, That's true of a Christian, how much more then for a pastor? The outside world already has plenty of reasons that they stumble over um, the cross of Christ, and we don't want to give them extra reasons, especially if you're a pastor. And in particular in this area, I think of ambition. Very dangerous uh, temptation for a pastor to fall into today. Um, So that's what we're going to talk about, but before we jump into it, you had something you brought in and you want to talk about. Well, I, I just thought, let's talk about Ben Shapiro for a little bit this morning. Okay. Do you listen to any Ben Shapiro? Uh, like most people, probably <laughs> only when I come across um, clips that I see of him online. Yeah. Um, I think he. I think what he does is he can demonstrate peop- to people how you can... Um, be intellectual and argue from a logical base uh, against some of the some of the ideas that are prevailing uh, and permeating our society. I, you know, I've I've even compared my my daughter to like a female Ben Shapiro <laughs> because she's yeah. she's pretty quick, right? She uh, not only can when she starts to get argumentative, she talks quick. Does she talk talk really fast? But She's uh, she's very she's just very uh, ninja like in her ability to hear what you say and see the logical hole in it. Yeah, which is can be good mm-hmm. if harnessed in a correct way, or can, right. could be could be actually really bad. But um, yeah, so I'm aware of him. He he's got some pretty famous clips online, <coughs> um, growing in popularity. I think I think it's just part of that is because in the Christian world. There aren't many, maybe, pastors that are actively speaking out against the things in the world, and so people gravitate toward someone like a Ben Shapiro or a Jordan Peterson, which mm-hmm. we saw earlier. You and I were watching a funny clip of guys who had watched too much uh, Jordan Peterson and started to talk like him and yeah. take on his mannerisms and things like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, but tell us who he is, because people may not know who Ben Shapiro is. Tell us a little bit about who he is and kind of why you want to talk about him. Well, he's a he's a a political kind of conservative um, social commentator. Uh, goes around lectures at different universities yeah. on different, um, usually political uh, topics. Did he f- is he the founder of the Daily Wire? Um, I don't know if he is the the founder, but he's one of the main guys. Okay. Um, Oh, if I can get a uh, a picture of him up here, I've got pictures. Uh, anyway, he goes around. He um, yeah. Here's uh, if you want to. <coughs> That's Ben Shapiro. I, Is he? He's I'm Orthodox. Having a, hard, having a hard time 
pulling up like an actual picture of him. There's pictures of Ben Shapiro. Anyway. Is, is he ortho- <laughs> Orthodox Jew? Yeah. Or? So he's uh, that's that's really what I want to talk about. I don't I don't really want to talk about just Ben Shapiro, um, you know, in general, but uh, Ben Shapiro as um, because I, I listen to some of his stuff. I, I don't really listen to uh, the Daily Wire too much, but. I'll listen to uh, some of his clips. He's got some pretty good clips on YouTube where he reacts to uh, woke TikTok videos, and those <laughs> yeah. are pretty funny. But he also is an Orthodox Jew. He's a conservative uh, Jew. He he practices uh, Judaism, uh-huh. and he's I I've only followed him for a couple of years, but it seems like he's become more outspoken when he's talking about religion than okay. he was. He, he used to be more political, social, but now he, he posts a lot about um, religion. Uh-huh. And I, I thought that we could look at some of his uh, some of his uh, posts, okay. religious, religious posts, and, uh, and then talk about a little bit of the dangers of, because I, a lot of evangelicals follow Ben Shapiro. Right. And um, <clears throat> I think that we, we can find a lot of agreements with him because he's a conservative. Right. He, uh, I think he's rational in a lot of his uh, his positions against uh, you know homosexuality and transgenderism and abortion. He's very outspoken uh, opponent, yeah, uh, against all of those. Um, so I, I think we would have a lot of agreements with him. But there's some dangers because uh, he has things like this, and you can pull up. Uh, this is one of his Facebook posts, and this is probably my favorite religious post that I've <laughs> I've come across from him. Uh, he uh, he posted this August twelfth. He said, "Outside of Moses, my favorite person in the Bible is Nashon bin Aminadab, one of the tribal leaders of ancient Israel. He appears in Exodus and Numbers. He's not well known because his story is from the Midrash, which is <laughs> yeah. it's uh, tradition. Right? It's uh, it's." like an apocryphal, <laughs> meaning it's commentary-based. According to the Midrash, many Jews were unsure how to proceed as they approached the banks of the Red Sea. When God commanded that they go forward, they hesitated. Uh, Nashon bin Aminadav, however, entered the, wa- the water, first up to his knees, then up to his waist, his chest, and finally up to his nose. And at that exact moment when Nashon could no longer breathe, God split the sea apart. The fundamental idea here is that we often have to take the leap of faith before God justifies the leap of faith. And that holds true for almost all of the major decisions we face in life. Yeah. All right. So you got, <clears throat> you've got uh, all of these, and we've been talking about this in Hebrews, uh-huh. Hebrews chapter 11. Right. Uh, the, the, we are... <laughs> looked at it on Tuesday. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Um, and his second favorite person is like not even a, like, it's not even a real story. Right. <laughs> you've, got, you've got Abraham, and you've got, uh, you got David, and you've got the prophets, and his favorite, his second favorite person is, <laughs> right. he's, he's mentioned, but he's not, like, this isn't a real story. Right. Um. And you can, it's like you folklore, can, and you can you can go back, you can go back and look at this. Uh, Thirty-one thousand likes, yeah, uh, almost three thousand comments, 3, a lot 000, of them, three thousand no shares, and I imagine that a lot of them are evangelical. Oh, Christians. for sure, yeah, right, yeah. The, but apart from it being a made-up story, what he gets from it is really bad too. That. The, the fundamental idea, he says, is that we often have to take a leap of faith before God justifies the leap of faith. And we, we talked about this when we started Hebrews chapter 11 before summer, that faith is not a leap of, it's not a, it's not 
a leap of faith. That's not what Hebrews chapter 11 is about. Mm -hmm. It's not about, well, I don't know if there's anything there. Uh, The author of Hebrews actually says that faith is the assurance Mm -hmm. of things hoped for. Right. Like it actually is a reality. Mm -hmm. We don't see it, but we know it's there. And so we we live in accordance with that belief. Mm Mm-hmm. This is more like, well, I don't know if I'm going to drown. I'm going to walk into the Red Sea, and maybe, we'll find out. maybe something will happen. And it's at that moment, yeah. and it's, it's works-based, yeah. right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah. God, God is only going to part the sea once this guy has demonstrated. Demonstra- he's proven yeah. himself. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's really dangerous, uh-huh. right? And he, he applies this to almost all Everything. the major decisions we face in life. Right. That's, uh, that's, that's not great. No, that's not great. Uh, but it gets uh, it gets worse because he's an Orthodox, <laughs> he's a conservative Jew. Uh, the next one that I uh, I ran across was this one. So why do we perform six hundred and thirteen commandments? Why do we? <laughs> why do we? Why do we perform six hundred and thirteen commandments, Jay? <laughs> the Jewish view is the more you accustom yourself to thinking about God in your daily life, the more God becomes a part of your daily life. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you feel about that, Jay? Feel pretty good about that? The more accustomed you become to m- thinking about God in your daily life, mm-hmm. the more God becomes a part of your daily life. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't, I think about uh, Abraham. I think he kind of would blow that thing into smithereens. Yeah. You know, as I'm researching for preaching of Jonah. I'm kind of re- researching how uh, the nations, dis- you know, were dispersed, and the area from where Abraham came was an area that was steeped in absolute paganism, and and we don't know exact like the exact region where he was from, but we're talking the region of Babylon and Assyria somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Um, Abraham was uh, before God appeared to him, not thinking God's ways after him. He wasn't. He very likely was a uh, was a worshiper of false gods. There's no reason actually to believe that he wasn't until the true God revealed Himself. So, um, God, I, I don't think that that applies at all. The same thing could go for for Moses. Moses wasn't looking for God. Um, he's tending to sheep, and God appears to him. And the thing you can apply that too, I think, to many people in their conversion stories. Um, they weren't even, in particular, seeking after Jesus, but He was seeking after them. Yeah. After He yeah. found them and made Himself part of their life, uh, then they began to incorporate more of God's ways after Himself. So I think He's just got it backwards. Well, I think that He's. Well, we'll see this in just a second um, with one more, uh, one more thing that he posted. I think that he's, he's reinterpreting what the commandments were in the Old Testament, in the, in the Scripture itself. Right. Is the reason why God gave the law with all these commandments so that they would think about God more and that and then become, become more of their, of their daily life? Maybe there might be a part of that, but do this so that you might live, mm-hmm. right? Right. Well, so the commands he, are part of the. Uh, when you go, if you go back to the uh, 
what is the, the, the term of the treaty? There's an actual term. It's eluding my grasp. It's a treaty. Uh, Deuteronomy is written in the form of one of these treaties. Yeah, the, the, the suzerain yes. treaty, yeah. And so there are, I rescued you. Uh-huh. You are now my people. Do this, and you're in covenant with me, right. and you'll receive the blessings of the covenant. Don't do these, and you'll receive the cursings of the covenant. Right. Um, and so, yeah, as as someone who, and I, I'm guessing that today modern Judaism really probably isn't even anything like Judaism that Jesus encountered whenever right. he when right. he was walking the earth. It's kind of been reinterpreted. And that's what I, I wanted to bring up in this last this last one is how it's been reinterpreted, why it's been reinterpreted, and then the yeah. danger of, of listening to someone like Ben Shapiro well, when it comes to religion. Well, you have to reinterpret the whole thing <clears throat> after God destroys the, <laughs> right. destroys yeah. the very yeah, center of your religion, right. Right. the temple being destroyed. Uh, so. so look at this last one. Repentance washes you free of sin. Mm. Believe it or not, when you repent... You take on the burden of your own sin, and it transforms into merit, according to Talmudic reasoning. Right, yeah. So there's how your, many there's, How many there's likes? Your, there, thousands? Uh, thousands 3. of likes? 3.4, uh, yeah, almost 3,500. Um, probably a lot of, again, evangelical Christians liking that post would probably, be my guess. Probably, probably. Um, but again, here's your reinterpreting of the... The scriptures, right? Because that's not and the, the the Talmud. That's that's rabbinic tradition and teachings, right? Um, but that's that's not what the scriptures teach. No, no, no. <laughs> that the scriptures don't the the whole sacrificial system, and that's what you are you are alluding to is all of this has to be reinterpreted because the temple is gone and the sacrifices are gone. So now, what do you do? With the fact that you have sin, and you don't have the animal sacrifices that were for the forgiveness of sins, they, the, these animals were killed because you sinned. Yeah. Well, now you know you've got to have Ben Shapiro saying, "Well, when you repent, you take the burden, right? No need <laughs> of sin on yourself, and it becomes merit." Yeah. Um. So I, I, there's no way for a, mo- a modern Jew to even follow all of the law mm-hmm. because you. The entire sacrificial system is gone. The entire way that you would even approach God is gone. And so after Christ, after his death, burial, and resurrection, um, God is the one who providentially eliminated uh, the temple. Right. And he took it away because that is the shadow, mm-hmm. and Christ is a substance, and he's here. And so now what do you do? Uh, you have this entire tradition of the rabbis that develops, known as the Talmud, right? Mm-hmm. And... They have to reinterpret everything, right? Because there's no way now for forgiveness. Yep. Because you've rejected Christ and the Messiah, and so for for Christians who are tempted to to say, you know what, uh, people like Ben Shapiro and the Talmud, that's like good teaching too. Well, the Talmud says absolutely blasphemous, right? And things I would not even read on this podcast about about Christ. Mm. Absolutely, I would say satanic. Mm. Like you cannot write and say things about Christ like that unless you are being influenced by, like the prince of the power of the air. Yeah. Um, and Satan has always had a way for people to achieve forgiveness and cleansing of sin apart from God and apart from Jesus Christ. 
And that's exactly what you see today in modern Judaism. Yeah. Just like any other religion of the world. Uh, there is a, there is this type of thing that is left left in the in evangelical world subconscious today I think influenced over the past couple hundred years maybe the rise of um, I would say uh, classical dispensationalism where there are Christians today that would be like you know what I would even donate my money that I would have otherwise given to the church and the ministry of the gospel I'd give that money to help rebuild the temple to see it come back you know what I mean like it's that's not a stretch to say that because they'll say, well, you you know, anyone who, who blesses them, God will bless. Whoever curses them, God will curse. So you can't say you can't say that modern Judaism is just like a pagan religion. That's speaking badly against God's elected people. Right. Um, but I say, hold on a second. Let's look at the Talmud and see what they say about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And if that's what it says about Jesus, why are you listening to anything the Talmud has to say about anything? Mm-hmm. Um so that actual statement that he said, we might be quick to brush it off, but at the heart of that statement is the absolute full-on rebellion against the creator of the universe. It promotes an um, anthropocentric uh, mode of making oneself right with God. That just man, that means man-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like every pagan religion on the earth. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the danger of listening to... And this isn't just to attack Ben Shapiro, um, because like I said, there's he he there would be a lot of overlap in some of the things that we would believe, and uh, even even fight against. But when he's quoting stuff like this from the Talmud, um, we we don't want to applaud. Well, he's he's talking about the Old Testament. He's talking about God and Abraham and Moses, and we don't want to applaud him because he's an unbelieving Jew. Yeah, I wish and, that... and and Paul talks about this. Uh-huh. And this this I think directly applies to people like Ben Shapiro. It says that um Moses put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened for to this day and I think this continues to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. Uh-huh. Right. So guys like Ben Shapiro, when he reads Moses, a veil is covering him. He can't, he can't understand what God has been saying to his people right. because it's only in Christ that the veil is removed. Um, and, yeah. so, and there are many people throughout the uh, world, Jewish people, <laughs> that have come to faith in Christ and are still coming to faith in Christ today. And a lot of times what it takes is someone like, um, maybe maybe they're not as popular as Ben Shapiro, but they are just as devoted to the Talmud and Midrash and all that, mm-hmm. and they're converted, yeah. and then they become powerful uh, tool for Christ right. to take the gospel as people. Yeah. We had one of these guys in my class um, when I was doing the, uh, the doctoral preaching uh, seminars where I had to go out there in person. And this guy is in Israel, and um, he's lived there his whole life, and now he writes these books, and he argues from the Old Testament um, for Christ. And, his, and he has you know, planted a church, and he's, there's a thriving church there, but he is like big time. Op- they oppose him big time, like mm-hmm. with a radical hatred. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, 
but this is the way it was for Paul and probably any other uh, uh, Jewish people that would convert yep. after the spread of the gospel. You know, they're they're going to be kind of kicked out of their communities, not seen as a real Jew anymore, uh, things like that. Um, so this is not really, you know, an anti-Jewish sentiment that we're bringing here on the podcast. Um, I mean, we follow a Jew, right? right. We follow, that's, that's our hero and our master. Um, but we'll oppose that all day because of the things they say about Christ and they teach another gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we can pray for Ben Shapiro because he's heard the gospel. He's interviewed John MacArthur, uh, just a few weeks ago, he, uh, interviewed Vody. And yeah. so he's, he's heard the gospel and we can pray that, uh, God would open his eyes to see right. Christ in the scriptures, uh, just as he has to, to the Jewish men and women. It's difficult to to for any person to convert, right? To submit to Christ, it's it's, it's humbling. Yeah. But think about if you have an entire <clears throat> system built upon um, your own atonement for your sin, right? Through your repentance and contrition and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's why salvation is always it's always a miracle. It's always a gift of God, overcoming the hardness of the human heart. Because mm. we much more would prefer that form of religion than one that says, no amount of repentance can save you, no amount of feeling sorry for your sins can save you, because God is that perfect and that holy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So you require a supernatural. You require a righteousness that is foreign or alien to you to be given to you yep. um, as a gift. So... Ben Shapiro would obviously commend him to people for his social views, mm-hmm. um, for his courage uh, to stand against what we would say are is evil in our day. But when it comes to uh, religion, like Christians need to be much more discerning. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about uh, J.D. Greer? Okay, so <laughs> pod, podcast and journal. Here we are. What, 26 minutes. We'll have to put a note. Let's start to talk about that. Back to that quote. When Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. How much more for pastors? Okay. And I think this, I'm sure you have felt this. You know, like I've even told people, okay, because of the reputation pastors have in, in America today. We'll be talking at a ball game or whatever. They have no idea what I do for a living. They just know, like, oh, I've had fun talking to you. Uh-huh. Like, what do you do for a living? So I'll say, well, if I tell you, you promise it won't get weird. <laughs> right? I shouldn't have to do that. <clears throat> I shouldn't have to do that, right? Yeah. But I know when I say I'm a pastor, yeah. they're going to go like, oh, like, oh. <laughs> and they're going to think like, okay, am I a... Um, a charlatan? Is this? Am I doing this for uh, for money? Because a lot of pastors, mm. you know, they they have made themselves very wealthy. They're charlatans, um, and today, especially because of what's gone on in the in the SBC, in the evangelical world, with all of the sexual abuse stuff and the cover ups, and um, which I think God is exposing a lot of this. Good morning, oh, sorry about that. I thought. Whoa, whoa! Uh, it's coming through the TV. Uh oh. We'll have to turn it up here and turn it up there. Yeah. Sorry um, about that. That's okay. But um, 
pastors have <clears throat> they don't have a great reputation today. Yeah. Um. And so we have uh, collectively pastors as a whole, to some degree, have caused stumbling to some people, where they are less likely to listen uh, to the gospel, which is very unfortunate. Right? People already have all of these stumbling blocks to the gospel. Mm-hmm. We know this to be an absolute fact, yeah. right? Uh, Christ is a stumbling block to the Jew and folly to the Gentile. Abs- that means absolute stupidity. So we are already going out preaching to the world that God became a man, right? I talked to a Muslim once and said, that's an impossibility. So that's a big stumbling block right there. Um which shouldn't be, because God can do anything he wants, so he can take humanity onto himself. Um, but he became a man, but not only that, we're talking about God dying on a cross. And people are like, that is, like the Romans would hear that, they'd be like, that's that's stupid. What kind of story is this? And then we say, oh, but not only did he die, he rose from the dead. Something, if you if you start to dig in the, in the backgrounds, even uh, Zeus, I believe, couldn't raise the dead. Like, their supreme god could not raise the dead. So there's always—and then you take that and you apply that to our day. We have the supernatural message we're preaching about God, which is already hard to swallow. Not only that, it goes completely against your flesh nature, of your of your uh, propensity to seek to justify yourself, right? We don't need to add other things to that. And many pastors today are doing that. And so I think this podcast maybe is a call, a reminder to us, we're pastors, to closely guard ourselves um, and to make sure we're not doing that, not giving people a reason with our life and our conduct and our ministry to stumble and to not want to listen to the gospel because of us. Um, And this is why there's such... uh, the qualifications for be a pastor are very intimidating to read. I, re- I reread through them in preparation for this podcast, and I have them here listed. We can read through them as the podcast goes on. Um, but I think that's kind of where we'll go. And kind of what sparked this is there's been another scandal in the SBC. Maybe we start there. So sure. the the uh, you know the executive committee is the standing kind of board that is the SBC year-round. They manage the affairs of the Southern Baptist Convention. And the um, I guess he was the interim uh, head of, of the executive committee, and he was in the running to be the uh, <coughs> the new guy. And there's a scandal, George. No way. Yeah. Do you want to <laughs> update us on it? <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what's interesting is I'm looking at... Um, Let's see. I'm trying to find the. Uh, yeah, this is the uh, this is the third executive committee president to have resigned in like the past so Ron, s- so several Ron, years, right? So Ronnie Floyd, Ronnie Floyd resigned in October of 2021 mm-hmm. uh, over the sex abuse stuff. He himself and didn't he, partake in it, right? But he was, I guess part of the cabal I that guess mismanaged it yeah um his 
his uh, predecessor, Frank Page, had resigned in 2018 because of some undisclosed improper uh -huh. relationship. Who knows what that what that even means? Um, and then you you also now, in now. between all this, you also had um, mm. what's his name, who was very influential SBC president one time, a big part of Nam, high up in Nam. Uh, come on, come on, come on, come on! You know him. Who are we talking about? Uh, the preacher. He's very, very Johnny famous. Hunt? Johnny Hunt. Yeah. Then there was that, and then this latest. This he latest wasn't. One. I don't think he was. He was on the executive committee, but yes, he was named. Yeah. He was actually named in the uh -huh. in the uh, sexual abuse um, study findings. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, they had a uh, an interim. While they, I mean, this is the Southern Baptist Convention, so they do everything by committee. Right. <laughs> so, so the executive committee is the, it's the, it, there, that's the, the uh, group that really runs all the business side of the Southern Baptist Convention throughout the year. Yeah. Um, and the president is obviously, he's the head of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, when they're looking for an, and this is a job, uh, so when they when they do when they do this, they form a search committee and get application, you know, in, uh, resumes, and then they go from there. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, they had an interim president. Um, I I don't know exactly how to pronounce his last name. His name is Willie. I'm going to say McLaren. Uh, you can pull him up right here. You can see him and. Uh, on the screen, there he is, Willie McLaren. You can mm. see his name down there, M C L A U R I N. Anyway, uh, he was the uh, he was the interim uh, president for the executive committee until what a week ago? Yeah, was it a week ago? Yeah, and uh, then, like you said, scandal scandal erupts because he uh, his name was in the running to become the the president and on his resume he had uh he had several um uh, institutions where he claimed to have degrees from and some people on the executive committee did their due diligence and started looking into it and it turns out that he didn't have degrees from any of these schools that these schools <laughs> these schools didn't even know who he was apparently <laughs> that's pretty crazy <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um let me see if I can find the uh the schools. Yeah, he uh he claimed that he had degrees from and it's funny because none of them really you would think would be putting him in a any kind of of favorable light for the Southern Baptist Convention, but uh he claimed he had degrees from North Carolina Central University, Duke University Divinity School and Hood Theological Seminary. Uh, I don't know anything about Hood Theological Seminary, but when I pulled up their website, the first thing that popped up, and you can you can pull this up so everyone can see it, uh, right there in the very middle, attend the critical race theory didactic. So, wow, yeah, we've talked yeah. about critical race theory yeah. on here before and how it's infiltrated the Southern Baptist Convention, but uh, I, I don't know anything about this seminary. I've never heard of it before. But uh, when the first thing that 
that uh, strikes your eye when you go to their website is critical race theory. Uh, um, more than a little suspicious. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so he so he uh, he lied about his education, and so he resigned and uh, is not in the running anymore. And they've named a new interim, which. <laughs> have you have you heard about the guy that they replaced no. him with? Uh-uh. Uh goes to a uh, cooperative Baptist fellowship church. <laughs> huh. He's like even more liberal uh than this guy. That's very strange. And his I think his wife Oh, who did his wife work for? There's some there's something about his his wife also. But he does attend um, a cooperative Baptist fellowship church that's liberal mm. and egalitarian. So, yeah. So there's a. <laughs> I don't know why they named this guy after this. After this scandal, they name somebody else that is just a scandal in the waiting, and yeah. I, it's there is no discernment at the top levels of the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. Just zero. Yeah. um, I wonder, too, but think about it, too. It's got to be linked to local church problems, because how do you you have a ministry for, I'm sure, many years, and nobody ever checks your ministry (laughs) credentials? Like, you tell them, I have these degrees, Mm -hmm. and you don't. Right? How how many years have has that gone on? And it's kind of crazy to think that somebody would try that today. Yeah. Given that, I mean, I, I told you, like, if you go on somebody's social media and you get a couple pictures of them, and you know how to work the internet and search public records, yeah, like you can find where people live. Right. Like you can find if somebody went to school somewhere, <laughs> you can pick the phone up and be like, yeah. "Hey, I am on a search committee." team and we have George here and he's claiming to have graduated from Southern Seminary. The master's degree is can we verify that? And they'll be like, well, um, he actually never uh, he went here for like maybe a semester. Yeah. He didn't graduate. Like that that takes all of about 15 minutes to accomplish. So that's pretty crazy to think that he pastored I'm sure many churches I think before this happened. I think there's a lot of laziness. Um, I think there's a lot of gullibility. I think there's a lot of gullibility. Mm. Look, look at how fast Resolution Nine got passed That's years true. ago when they when they passed that that uh, um, resolution promoting critical race theory as an anal- a useful analytical tool. Yes, and everybody just voted for it. And you know that yeah. you know that over half, probably the the overwhelming majority, had no idea what critical race theory was. Well, because that was when it was still, it still wasn't being discussed as openly as it is now. People probably have a better idea of what it is now, but back then, I think they just voted because they're gullible. And I, I don't think that the leadership is gullible. I think the leadership abuses the the other churches. I think they abuse smaller churches uh-huh. as, because they know that they're gullible. Yeah, and so they can. They know that they can railroad a resolution through if they just use the right language because there there's people who are lazy and there's people who are gullible. Yeah. Um, 
the committee method is also, I think, fl- well, it c- in, a, in a perfect world, the committee system could work really well, right? But let's just take, for instance, our experience when we were in the SBC in, like, our local area. Yeah. Um, I remember talking to one guy who, you know, he's a brother, and we became friends after this, but um, we had questions about who they were hiring as, like, the DOM. Remember this? Uh-huh. And people... I don't think really liked that we wanted to ask real questions and things like that at that meeting. And kind of the idea was uh, you should just trust the committee. All right. And the problem is, is I don't. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't. And the problem with the SBC is that they do. And, and <laughs> the problem is, is that they do. And the, sa- the same tactic is, is used. Just right. trust the trust the platform. We have a committee. The committee represents right. the collective. Yeah, they're your representatives. So trust your representatives, and they selected a guy, and he's the guy. Right. Tr- trust them. Yeah. So vote in favor with the committee. Uh-huh. That's kind of the way it goes. Um, but there's a lot of problems with that, <laughs> right? As we can see, it, it's finally taken a long time because. Kind of the way the church world has been working is that the most qualified people for the job, a lot of the times, those will be people that you've never heard of, right? They're not ambitious, right? Which is something like we're, this is all linked together. They're not ambitious, so they're not going to promote themselves, and they may pastor in obscure places. Yep. Those people will never never serve. Well, let's let's talk about the the problems at the top. And I, you know, we're not going to solve the world's problems here, but maybe we can at least diagnose some of the some of the issues. And I think one of the issues is is what you're saying that these guys that are you're not going to get a small rural pastor as the president of the executive committee. You're right. just not. Um, he's not going to have the he's not going to have the fancy degrees. He's not going to he may not have his masters. He may not have his bachelor's. You know, I mean, that's not a that's not a, a requirement to be a pastor is to have gone to to college or have his masters or have his Ph.D. But who are the people that always land at the top? Yeah, it is those things. Mm-hmm. And what are they looking for? Why did Willie? feel the need to lie about his degrees because that's how you get spotted by the search committee. Mm-hmm. That's There's no other reason for him to lie about it. The only reason that he would lie about it is that he feels the need to have that on his resume so that he can be in the running. And if he didn't have those things, even though they're, they're weird, uh, they're weird, institutions to be put into lie to be lying about in order to be made the you know the the president of the southern baptist uh executive committee um that i can't imagine any other reason why and so we have a culture of we're not looking at the right qualifications right we're looking at what what letters are behind your name yes or what institutions you went to for school and that's not the requirements that we find in the scriptures. Or who will vouch for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Right. Or what and is we've your... Ta- and we've talked about cronyism. Yeah. And, and who is your... Uh, and what is your platform like? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So the things, and I, I did a, last night I tried to look at a few uh, church uh, job openings yeah. uh, to see what are, what are churches looking for. So I'll re- we can read the biblical qualifications in a sec. So maybe if you if you want to grab one of those, uh, George, either in uh, Titus or First Timothy, or even First Peter five. Uh, but let me read a few of these. One of them was actually ended up being uh, pretty good. But all right, so here, check this out. I'm not going to read the name of these churches because they are in Oklahoma. So I'm not trying to like put anybody on blast, but. Uh, this is par for the course. Yeah. Okay, there, there are rare exceptions. Here's what they're looking for. Uh, bachelor's degree in related field required. Three-plus years of professional experience in pastoral ministry preferred. Two-plus years of professional experience with traveling ministry preferred. Ordained minister. Knowledge and background in missions. Excellent communication, problem-solving, and priority-setting skills, as well as maintaining an overall positive and professional attitude slash disposition. Ability to work and function effectively in a team environment. Ability to effectively plan, organize, and implement processes, systems, and projects. Ability to handle multiple projects effectively and meet projected deadlines. Proficiency and flexibility in learning computer software programs related to higher education. So you can see, and that's the list, those, all of those are missing one really important thing, <laughs> right? And that's the biblical requirement. Because anybody could have experience in all of those, uh-huh. and they might not even be a Christian. <laughs> so I probably would list, like, if if this would ever happen, it's, not, it's never going to happen here, because um, we kind of raise our own pastors up, but if we had to call a pastor, number one would be that they actually are converted. Right. Number two would be that they meet the biblical <laughs> qualifications. Yeah. So what what are the biblical qualifications? You know, we, we, uh, we joke about this a lot in hyperbolic language, that the pastor has to have like 20 years of experience, but be young. And have young children. Have young children, yeah. Uh, but that that's, uh, I think there's... Uh, we joke about it so much because there is an element of truth to it <laughs> that the churches right. want you to have all of these this experience, but they also don't want you to be old, <laughs> right? And um, it, you can't you can't have both, <laughs> right? Yeah, like it takes time to yeah. to get experience, right? Um, uh, qualifications for uh, an overseer. Mm-hmm. Or a bishop, <laughs> or an elder, uh, in First Timothy chapter three. Um, if uh, this usually isn't mentioned, but I think it's it's good. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So I, I think that it's good that they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Peter will will talk about that uh, in First Peter chapter five. But the the first thing is. The desire. So uh, the qualifications mm-hmm. found in uh, in First Timothy chapter three. We can find these qualifications in a couple of places. Um, Paul writes, therefore, an overseer, bishop, uh, elder, pastor. Uh, it's all. It's all the same. Uh-huh. Just different names for for the same position. 
An overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard. I feel like we should stop at able to teach. So yes. <laughs> like the one thing that sets a pastor apart from the deacon qualification seems to be that which is missing. Right. In a lot of the pulpits around our and country. And it's not just able to teach in general, <clears throat> right? right? Or to be a good storyteller. Right. Or to hold someone's attention. Uh-huh. Just talking about teaching God's word. Right. Um, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be thought well of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Ah, yes. Good qualification. Similar uh, listing in Titus, <laughs> right? And uh, also uh, Peter, First uh, Peter 5, 1 through 4, um, he's, Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, uh, as we uh, I read earlier, one job description, just to reiterate this, uh, these are often not the qualifications listed when you look at these pastoral <laughs> search teams as they go out. So, um, here's another um, ordained or licensed as a pastor within a recognized Christian nomination. Um, that's always an interesting thing to me, too. That's like we're really just going to take someone else's word for it. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I used to I used to kind of fall into that. You get ordained at one church, and it just follows you around. Yeah. Um, I'm more of a mind now that, that the church in which you serve should set you apart as yes. your pastor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that would mean there's probably more involved than just a committee, and that's it. <coughs> right. Um, strong knowledge of biblical teachings and theology. That's okay. But again, um, there are a lot of people who aren't Christians that have that. There are people that get degrees in biblical theology that are atheists. Mm. So... But we can give them some grace and say they're probably thinking if you have these, then you're good to go. Excellent. We never we never talked about this. This is from months and months ago. Let me see if I can find it while you uh, okay. continue talking. Maybe I can maybe I can find this. Okay. Excellent <coughs> communication skills, both written and verbal. Um, ability to connect with people of diverse backgrounds and ages. Experience in mentoring, conflict management, crisis intervention, crisis management, event planning, and Christian counseling. Demonstrated leadership abilities within a church or ministry setting. Compassionate, empathetic, and approachable demeanor. So you'll notice again what is completely missing are the biblical qualifications. So, uh, again... 
this isn't just a one-off type thing. Uh, it's kind of widespread. You know what I mean? Like you would think <clears throat> it's an easy thing on a job listing. You just put, hey, must meet the biblical qualifications as outlined by Paul and Peter. Like that's should be a thing, right? Yeah. So, okay. So there's kind of one issue that we were kind of outlining is um so, <laughs> so, <laughs> as you were you were talking about the you know even unbelievers can have degrees this is from way back in march and we never we never got to talk about this oh Jay. but uh, you can throw this up on the screen uh 30 new, oh i'm not connected uh now now you can now you can try it uh, there it is. Uh, 30 new honorary doctorates to be conferred in the Conferment Jubilee for the University of Helsinki. I'm not exactly sure where this is. But, uh, you know, universities, they, they confer honorary degrees yeah. all the time upon someone that's that's done, you know, good work. Mm-hmm. Well, this uh, this university was uh, conferring some theology honorary theology. Oh, goodness, you can tell I'm really. Uh, I don't even know what I just swipe did. it over to the. <laughs> there you go. Pull it over. Pull it yeah. over. Come on. There we go. Um, it, it, this uh, this university conferred thirty honorary doctorates. Uh, theology. Mm. Theology. Doctorates. Why are they all dressed like Jack the Ripper? And uh, I just want you see to. That? draw your attention to uh, the Faculty of Theology conferred eight honorary doctorates on June 9th and I just want to I just want to pull this one <laughs> what? <laughs> it's Greta Thunberg <laughs> how dare you yeah. <laughs> you've stolen my childhood you've stolen <laughs> my childhood we are on the verge of economic disaster um, so she has an honorary theology doctorate does that does that cheapen yours any? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I might want to double check. You might want to double check. Where uh, people got their uh, degrees. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. degrees not even, uh, like like we said, that's why we read these biblical qualifications. It's not even a requirement. It shouldn't be a requirement. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, there are a lot of great men through church history that don't have any type of theological education, and they're faithful pastors, and they are good preachers. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So you're looking for integrity. Well, first, these biblical qualifications are going to mean that, mm-hmm. that they're people of integrity, right? that they're not going to bring reproach upon the gospel. That should be priority number one. Right. And then, can they preach the Bible? Mm-hmm. Once those two are checked... The other things are kind of just bonuses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You shouldn't have to have skills in event planning. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? That's not a requirement. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that's, uh, it, yes. Uh, so I just had uh, my dad over there. He just chimed in. I need a microphone. That's a, that's really a deacon role. Event planning? <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's not, that's not even really a pastor thing. Yeah. So, yeah. W- a lot of, I think, who we are as Americans have, you know, fueled a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but it comes back to the ambition we talked about in the beginning. A lot of people get into the ministry. I'm fully convinced of this. 
for whatever reason, they probably do have a desire to serve the Lord. It's there. But then somehow something happens, and they see the pastoral ministry as a way uh, to advance themselves and to advance their own ministry, or really to advance themselves. Um, it's just a kind of a pet peeve of mine. If I see a guy, like if he's got a ministry page and he calls it like J. Jones Ministries. Dot com. I, I am very suspicious of that person. Rightly or wrongly, George, what do you think? Am I am I out to lunch on that? To be suspicious? I, I've always found it to be a little weird when you've got like a website right. named after yourself and you're a preacher. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure. I'm sure someone's gonna pull up. You know, because like some famous preacher that's got a oh that I'm we sure that we probably somebody. would <laughs> that we probably would respect that yeah has a website. Like I mean, that. like but it's it's a little weird. Yeah, um, <clears throat> just because you have that, it doesn't mean that you're legitimate. But it, it kind of almost fools people into thinking you are legitimate. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got a website. He's legitimate. Um, I mean, even like uh, uh, Steve Lawson, right? He, uh, for a while, was out without a church. So he was in, like kind of a, you, you can't really call him an itinerant, an evangelist, because he was, he'd fill in places and preach. He's doing a lot of uh, training of pastors in a couple of different seminaries. Uh, but he does, he started a church in Dallas. And he doesn't have a website that's called Steve Lawson Ministries. Right. He's got One Passion Ministries, and One Passion Ministries, if you go to their website, it's all about uh, um, promoting the glory of God and the supremacy of, of Jesus Christ and training men to be preachers. It's not even It's not even about Steve Lawson. I'm glad that you... Uh, again, I don't want to broad, broad brush anything, but as you were... As you were talking, I, it popped into my head. You can, you can go on the screen <laughs> before anyone before anyone points it out. Bodybacham.org. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I still I still don't like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of it is he's over in Africa and he does he does like tours every summer. And this is the place where you can go and like book him and see where he's going to be. But I, I, you know, I'm not going to like condemn Bodie for it, but it is a little weird, right? Yeah, um, that's not usually the case, though. Yeah. It's usually the case of it's like a regular pastor that's got like a a huge following on social media, but maybe he pastors a small church, and then he'll have another website promoting himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, but then that serves to become a mechanism where he can further platform himself. Yeah. So coming back to the ambition thing, I don't really feel like Bodie Bauckham has sought to promote himself. I feel like God's just promoted him to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm really disappointed. I, I typed in a, a website and it uh, redirected me to edyoung.com. We've talked about Ed Young uh, a few times. Ed yeah. Young Jr. Um, he used to have a, a site. I don't think he still has it. It was called uh, pastorfashion.com. I remember it was that. His, it Pastor was his Fashion. Web, it was his website where he was teaching pastors how to mm -hmm. how to dress uh, in like really nice suits and 
shoes. I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. Pastor Fashion. It, it just it just redirects you to edyoung.com. He, he gave it up on it. I guess so. Well, I don't know if he's given up on it, but he's he's branched out to just just him. Yeah. So here's this question: Is it wrong to be ambitious as a pastor? <coughs> Let's throw that out there for uh, discussion. Let's kick it around a bit. Is it wrong to be ambitious as a pastor? I, I guess the first thing we got to do is define what the word means. Okay. Like, what do we mean by ambition? Um, well, without going to the dictionary, like how in just everyday, you know, vernacular, how it's used here in our culture, what do you think? He's a, per- he's a man of ambition. Uh, it's usually it's usually self-serving. Okay. Uh, I think that's usually how people would use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have if you're ambitious, you usually are trying to move up some kind of ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that though. I mean, context will determine right. what we mean by ambition, because Paul says that he has mm-hmm. ambition. Right, but it's not a self-serving ambition. Mm-hmm. Um, so his ambition is to preach the gospel, and right. and I think this is kind of maybe the <coughs> danger of how it can easily be justified in that way, right? P- people can could say it's not really me being ambitious for myself. I'm ambitious to spread the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's why I am, you know, quote, maybe like, quote, unquote, it appears to you that I'm doing self-promotion. Yeah. Um, Paul, Romans 15, 20, uh, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. not where Christ has already been named. Right. Lest I build on someone else's foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he says in Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition, right? Right. Um, which seems like there can be a non-selfish ambition. So there's selfish ambition, non-selfish ambition. But usually, Biblically. I mean, just looking, there's five times in the ESV that this is translated ambition, uh-huh. and four of those times it's it's paired with selfish, uh-huh. selfish ambition. Right, and so I. Coming back to like the faking your credentials, <clears throat> that only can come from a place of selfish ambition. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, whereas, what we should be doing is, if God wants to promote us, then and amplify our ministry, then He can do that. Um, it doesn't require us to actively try to pursue to, like, increase our platform or make ourselves more influential. Um, Make yourself learn, and this is a real temptation. You know, I I can can think, I can honestly say that when eight years ago, when we first church planted, we're very small. So, you know, I'm I'm preaching to maybe 18 people every Sunday, and I think there was a little bit of selfish ambition. Yeah. Where I wanted, uh, I wanted my ministry to be bigger. So there was a real temptation to post all of my sermons or any of my teaching and to share them, maybe even buy, buy an ad. And 
I think a lot of people succumb and they give in to that temptation, and they can justify it by saying, "Well, I'm I'm spreading the gospel. That's my goal." So, it, but but pastors, if they're listening, if you're listening, you have to be very careful because that if you give in to that temptation, it can easily snowball into that's what you're doing. And, and so instead of just taking care of the people, God has decided it right now you've got 18 people, um, but you want more. You want more than what God has given you. And so you can become a self-promoter. And next thing you know, over years and years and years, maybe you're lying about your ministry credentials. You know what I mean? I, yeah. th- I think that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you just have to be very careful uh, of this. And another thing, on the flip side of this, we live in this strange, you know, world where there's almost like there's two worlds, right? You have like our world we live in, the real world, and then you have the online world, and the two the two aren't the same. So you can run into people who are are their influencers? They call them. They even might call themselves a social media influencer. They're also a pastor, and so they have, you know, big, big online platforms. Um, since we're talking about people faking their ministry credentials, I looked up uh, one that happened recently. Actually, another one. Um, are you aware of the Dale Partridge situation? You heard of that guy? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Not not too much. Yeah. So Owen Strand actually had to release a um, a written statement because he went to their seminary for a little bit, and you know there's some scandal around this guy. But anyway, some somebody figured out by searching online um, that he had lied about his ministry cred- credentials. Um, he did, he doesn't actually even have a I don't think he even has a bachelor's degree, but he was had promoted himself and created several. Uh, legitimate-looking websites where he's, you know, blogging, writing articles, releasing content. I think he even wrote a few books, and he had, I think he had claimed to have... Um, it was phrased in a way that would make you think he had several degrees, not just even one, but had, like, studied at Western Seminary, and then um, there where Owen Strand is at that seminary. What's it called? Grace Seminary, maybe? The one in Conway? Yeah. Uh, Grace Theological Seminary, yeah. and so he got he got caught, but he does have a a, a website for himself, Dell Partridge Ministries. It looks very official. But I also found out, uh, interesting enough, that he's the president of a seminary. Did you know that? Yes, uh, I can't remember the Reformation. Name. It's called Reformation Seminary. It's, it's just Reformation Seminary. George, let me ask you, what do you think about this? What do you think about a one year? one-year master's degree. That's what they're offering. And I, I'm going to go out and say that's not... I mean, scholarly, probably not. Right. Like like going to um, a seminary, it's about a three- to four-year is kind of the time frame for a master's. Right, yeah, should be. Um but that kind of got me looking at other folks, not just not just him. There, there are many others, and you can search them out and you find them. But the reason I was thinking about it is because I know if uh, the algorithm works like it does for me, I'm sure it works for our church members in the same way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
we have similar interests, similar likes. Yeah. Um, but people like him, they have a tremendous amount of influence in this other world, it, right? Didn't we talk about Del Partridge? Was he the guy that posted uh, the thing about video games that we talked about uh-huh, yeah, uh, yeah. months ago? That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. He's the one who made that comment okay. right. about video game okay. playing. <clears throat> but um, so in this, in this kind of where we're at in this world today <clears throat> is you can go and look and find, okay, here's a person who has tremendous social media influence. Okay. There's kind of this wave in the reformed world, kind of kind of toward, and this isn't even a dig at the theology, but it just kind of seems to trend today, post-mill uh, theonomy um, and some Christian nationalism. All right, but if you go and you start digging, you're like, okay, this person has... I'm glad you hit all three of those so we can uh, get the comments. Well, they, yeah. I, I mean, they, well, didn't, didn't want to leave any of them. Well, I didn't create the, I didn't create the cultural <laughs> phenomenon. You know, I just recognize it. So... And as and I have said, they probably won't like this me saying it. Uh, the generation today who makes fun of you know our parents and our grandparents for being dispies, right? Uh-huh. That was a cultural phenomenon in America. Well, today's cultural phenomenon is post uh Christian nationalism, and so your grandkids are going to point at you and say, "Oh, look at them! They just rode the cultural wave." <laughs> so be ready for that. <laughs> I'm just here to make observations, George. All right. That seem to be... This is just just social commentary. They just seem... These are my personal opinions, but they seem pretty obvious to me. Do we need to have a disclaimer at the bottom of uh, our podcast for a, tr- a trigger are, warning these are these are jay's these are jay jones's personal opinions <laughs> well here's the thing here's they the do thing. not reflect the uh, official any, position any of the guys that are post mill theonomic uh christian nationalism you can actually hit me with all the vitriol that you want i'm a combat veteran i will literally drink a cream soda and laugh at you <laughs> it will be it will become it will become evening entertainment at my house that's what it will be so fire away I'll have a good time laughing. Um, but that so, is the invitation to send those comments and emails to Jay and not to George. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead, whatever. <laughs> Leave me uh, out of this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, you start to look, and, and so what you kind of start to realize, and I actually took a screenshot of one of these cats. Um, they have tremendous online influence. Uh, but in the real world, they're pastoring churches of about 25. They've never planted a church. They have no, like, real-world experience. So they influence what—I don't even know what you want to call the online world, the virtual world. Mm-hmm. They have tremendous influence there. They can they can influence even other people's uh, members, church members. Mm-hmm. Church members become prone to listening to these people over their own flesh-and-blood pastor, right? Like, you're in the hospital. This guy— who has this tremendous following, is not going to come see you, mm-hmm. but you want to give this person some type of credibility and listen to them over your pastor that's there with you, that thinks about you, prays for you, writes sermons, thinking about how this can apply to your life. Um, but then you look and you say, okay, this person's <laughs> and ideas... I, and I, I mean, that's not even a, that's not even just a, you know that niche of post-mill. Right, no, no. I mean, that's just celebrity... celebrity right. Christianity in general, and it doesn't. Well, your dad just threw up the Ed Young. <laughs> you found I've, it. I've been looking at the Ed Young uh, website, and uh, he's not promoting himself at all. Um, <laughs> but it's you know the celebrity, the celebrity Christian culture 
that maybe isn't even intentional on the on the side of the pastor. I mean, I don't think MacArthur is so much trying to promote himself, but it's just the nature of, I don't know, our culture, uh, just the nature of humanity. Like we latch onto somebody who's yeah. who has been helpful, and he's just—I mean, he just has. God has providentially given him a big ministry. Well, yeah, I think it's different though. If and you're... so the da- and the danger the danger is is the same, right? Um, that we can be like, well, MacArthur said this, right. and we forget like MacArthur's not your pastor, John Piper's not your pastor, Na- you know, Bodie's not your pastor, who whoever you want to name, yeah. Like unless you're sitting under that person's preaching on a regular basis, that guy's not your pastor. Mm-hmm. So, um. God's put you where you are in this church and the the admonition in the scriptures are to listen and obey and and honor your pastor right not not go out of your way to defend this guy who wouldn't know your face in a crowd of people right yeah, yeah. um some people are are uh, worth listening to, though, like oh, particular yeah. MacArthur, and like, and I, I captured a screenshot because I'm glad you brought him up because this ties in with him. What I'll read here in a second, but he has a proven track record, right? Yeah. Over over fifty years of ministry, of faithfully teaching God's word, right? But there are <clears throat> other people, like I said, because of the nature of the internet today, the virtual world today, that have. Tremendous online influence, but then you can, like I said, we live in strange times. You can you can literally find someone's social media page, figure out where they live, find their church, go look at their church, go look at their church service, and then you see, oh, this person that has 500,000 followers online and are influencing movements has 25 church members. They've never planted a church successfully, so they have these ideas in theory, is what I'm saying. They're more, uh, they're more theory, right, that they put out that's influencing all kinds of people, but they can't even utilize it where they're at. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So there's, there's no proven track record of the, these things that you're spreading actually even produce a healthy church or plant churches from your church, stuff like this. So here's a perfect example. Okay. By God's grace, this is a tweet. Let me read to you. By God's grace... We've had two new families at church yesterday. One woman in her late 50s approached me after my sermon and said, we've been looking for a church with post-millennial eschatology. Again, not a knock on the post-mill eschatology. You already did that. Well, no, no. You've got you've to go... Uh, <laughs> You've got to go with the trifecta. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. Because we had, you. you know, we had Corey on here, and uh-huh. yeah, yeah. we're friends with Corey, and we love to have him on the podcast. He's a friend and a brother. Uh, but they said we've been looking for a church with post mill eschatology. So they're this person's willing to leave their church because they're not post mill. We're tired of the doom and gloom dispensationalism. She said a significant factor in her study of eschatology was MacArthur's "We Lose Down Here" sermon. Later, she learned of Sproul's partial preterist position, and it opened a whole new view of the end times. As people increasingly recognize how eschatology profoundly shapes a church's vision, okay, I expect it will be a significant factor in people's decision-making process for choosing a church to attend. And here's what I say to that, <laughs> right? The accusation is uh, John MacArthur's... Uh, 
negative eschatology somehow hurts the ministry. And I can't do anything but laugh. I'm like, I can't take you seriously. Um, because, I, don't, I mean, I don't, like, we weren't, we're not part of that world, right? So I, I was like an alien import there when I went to school uh, for doctoral studies there. They were very kind and accepting of me. I kind of opened my mind to this reality that outside of the SBC exists other churches that are doing ministry all over the world. So from that negative eschatology, which, you know, they love to just pile it on MacArthur, they planted churches—literally, that one church, okay, has grown from a couple hundred people over 50 years to what they are today, and they planted churches literally all over the country, or not thousands, and all over the world, hundreds, and they've planted seminaries that are being taught by local nationals that are training pastors all over the world— George, if that is what that eschatology does, can we get some more of it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Can we get more of that? Yeah. Right? But the critique comes from these young up-and-comers who have tremendous social media influence that have never actually done anything in reality. Hmm. And that's what I'm nitpicking at. And, and what kind of drives it, again, this is my theory, is the subtle sin of ambition and self-promotion. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I think if somebody came to our church and said that, because we're not dispensational here, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we would say, well, what happened to all the church member friends you had? You're willing to just abandon your, your church family over eschatology? Like, do you do you even know what it means to be a church member? You know what I mean? Um. So we're kind of in this place right now, I think, in the church, especially for—I don't think this is a danger for older generations, but it is for younger, like our generation and younger, and it's only going to be an increasing danger for our children, is this propensity that we have to view people online as legitimate. And your local your local pastor who has worked at, you know, over at Atwood's, and he's been faithfully laboring in obscurity, marrying people, burying people, visiting the sick, preaching the gospel, sometimes preaching the gospel, some people out in the open air. Um, but you have this draw to listen to the online personality. That's a very dangerous place for the church to be in. Yeah. Um. I don't know how we go about addressing it and fixing it other than maybe calling it out as it is, but it's very unhealthy. It's very dangerous. Um, and so I think, you know, the way, I mean, I, I think uh, the best that we can do because we're no names ourselves. <laughs> um, it's just to encourage our, our own church members to, um, remember that God has providentially placed them here in this church, and they have five elders who faithfully try to shepherd them and love them. And um, like, don't don't uh, don't put more weight on this guy you listen to that you don't know, and mm -hmm. he doesn't know you, and he's not going to be with you when you go through all your major life. You know, moments. Mm -hmm. um, honor, honor your your pastor, 
um, here. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, it's easy to, to be like, well, you know, I, I'm very much aware of my own weaknesses and I'm not as good a preacher as, you know, MacArthur or, or Piper or Lawson or, you know, any of these guys. Um, if you want their preaching and you want them to be your pastor, <laughs> go move. <laughs> yeah. Go move where they are. Yeah. <laughs> this, go move to California. This is lot, this is lot in Oklahoma and... Is this is w- where this is where God has put us. Is it worth eight dollar gas though? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to have MacArthur be pastor. Uh, pretty pretty sure you're not even gonna be able to drive a car there, a uh, gasoline car there. Pretty soon, you're gonna have to buy a Tesla just to move there, so you can have a different pastor. Yeah, I don't know, just it's just a recognition of of God's providence and where you where you live, uh-huh. and um, like just as God has brought you to this church god's also brought me me to this church he's brought you to this church um, right so just recognizing god's god's sovereignty and his wisdom and his goodness towards us and that we're in the church with the elders that we have with the people that we have because of god's mm-hmm. god's working right and um don't don't think little of that by wishing that um you know, Bodie was your pastor, mm-hmm. um, because that wasn't that wasn't God's providence. That wasn't right. His plan for you. Yeah. Um, so be be happy, even though there's flaws. Uh, I know my weaknesses. Uh, we, you know, we're we're all sinners, and we're not. We're. I mean, that's that's the the benefit of having a plurality of elders is that none of us are the jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. Like we all have our strengths and weaknesses. We all have different personalities um and we're a church that's filled with sinners and we're not always going to get along we're not always gonna i mean we'll fail each other that's that's what sinners do but love the church that you're in Mm -hmm. don't don't constantly be pining for the church that doesn't exist i mean the the grass is always greener on the other side right right (laughs) like yeah well if we were in that church there wouldn't be any problems no, yeah, that's that's just not reality. Lo- love the church that that you're in. Love yeah. the church that God has given to you. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of the. I don't know if that's if we're done. Uh, do but... we want to talk? Do, I mean, we have. I mean, we have a, an example of a pastor who's maybe not loving the church that he's in. Oh, as well, yeah. as, well as he could, bro. <laughs> and I don't know if this falls in. Like maybe we have to separate uh, out pastoral ambition from this. Um, so what's the segue over to it? Because it was kind of a famous little rant. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. The rant. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So you know, I wouldn't speak to know or pretend to know uh, JD Greer's personal ambitions. <clears throat> For the most part, I think he seems to be super passionate about legitimately spreading the gospel and he has done so. Uh so we could say yeah, praise I, praise God for that. Yeah. And I think that you know, I think he loves his church. I don't, yeah. I don't think that this this is one clip. We have we we certainly have our criticism of JD Greer. We've certainly made it clear. Yeah. Um but he did make this public and so it's it is uh open to public critique and and criticism. Yeah, uh, you know, if a if a church doesn't want to be publicly critiqued, then 
don't put your stuff on YouTube where everyone in the world can look at it. Um, but this, uh, I, I guess the segue is that th- this is not just a problem of of members in a church wishing that they had different pastors, but pastors wishing that they had different <laughs> members. <laughs> okay. Um, and the way that we communicate with each other um, isn't always the best. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is J.D. Greer. I don't know if that was a good segue or if that was if that even made any sense uh, to anybody. But this is J.D. Greer. Um, well, a couple of weeks ago, he, he's preaching through the book of James. Okay. And um, he's, uh, I think this was still in chapter one. Uh, I didn't watch the whole the whole uh, sermon. It's almost 50 minutes long. I just didn't watch all of it. I watched enough to get the context of what he was saying. Um, but he, he just starts going off on a little rant uh, against the people in his church. And I, I think there's a, a, I mean, as pastors, we have to be able to call out sin in the church. But I don't know if this was the best way to do it. And irony alert. And I think that's I think that's the biggest criticism is the irony behind what he says. Well, the whole cu- culture of the church world in general is, and he does kind of play into it to a degree, you know, with the whole of kind of letting people borrow your sermons thing. Uh, that kind of, I think that plays into um, just kind of this culture where pastors don't have a lot of accountability. I'm not saying he doesn't have any, but letting other people use your stuff, that plays into the kind of like the ambition I see somebody doing it better than me. Maybe I'll just use his stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he he told the guy he could use it. That's the story that they've been spinning. Right. <laughs> How true that is, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to believe anymore with with some of these guys. But we'll set it up like this. Okay, we'll say JD Greer's definitely been influenced by the by the culture. Yeah. There's, I, there's cl- I mean, we we talked about him. Uh, you know, God. The Bible whispers about sexual sin and, and all that stuff. There's, there's a there's a clip where he's um, he's applauding the fact that it's almost like affirmative action at his church. Like we've got this this many women, we've got this many uh, 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 people of color, and and it's it's really weird. Um, like you got to have this percentage of women on staff, and just kind of the. Just the cultural yeah. view of, of mm-hmm. the church. It's yeah. weird stuff. Well, in the summertime, Brooke gets so dark, we might could call her people of color. Huh? She she stands out like a sore thumb next to me. I'll tell you that. Like, where did this come from? Huh? You're pale you're pale like your dad in the winter, and then all of a sudden I'm gonna huh? start I'm gonna have to put out a classified for a new <laughs> <laughs> and she's a woman. Co-host of this podcast. Hey, and she's a woman, George. There's an opening. There's an opening here. <laughs> if anyone else wants to sit in this chair. And she's a woman. I'm just saying. Do we not get points? You know what I mean? If they're counting points like that, we're going off a of melanin. Then she's negative points in the winter, positive points in the summer. So, yeah. 
Jerry, how you doing over there? <laughs> All right. Can, can we talk about J.D. Greer? <laughs> well, you know, George, you got to take what you're dealing with here because, like I said, you know, the mil, mil, us military folks. I gotta love. I gotta love the. Uh, you're gonna get used I gotta, to it. I gotta, Let, I, gotta li- I gotta love the coworker that I. We that we God's given me. we who have lived our whole lives in the military, and been surrounded by brothers and sisters who are of various different uh, colors, we have a different sense of humor than the rest of the population. So, you can either just take it for what it is, or I don't know what to help you with. You know what I mean? I got gotcha. you. Um, but yeah, I, that's a thing. We got to check these boxes. We got to have like, it's a diversity inclusion type stuff in our church. Yes. He has been influenced by that. Mm. Interestingly, we don't have that problem here because the gospel has caused that to happen naturally. Right. Naturally. Like that's the beautiful thing. One of the things that I love about our church, Mm -hmm. when the gospel is prioritized, and I believe that just happens naturally. Yeah. So, um, you got this funny clip, but he's he's kind of I don't know if it's funny. Well, it's funny to me because the I, I get the irony that's in it because he <clears> has <throat> built an entire ministry. I think people will get uh, if they've been listening to the podcast yeah. long enough. I, I think they'll pick up on some of this, uh, right? That how ironic it is that he's saying some of these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, do you want to play it? Sure. All right. Let's do it. It's a couple of minutes long, I guess. <laughs> it's towards the end, towards the end of the sermon. Let's uh, let's see if this works. Is that what people experience here? Where's or the video? The same I don't ice- know where the video is. That is a, an excellent question. It might make it small screen. Excellent question. I don't know. Um, well, it, uh, it disappeared. Huh. I don't know if there's a way to... Uh, hmm. Well, uh, give me a second. Okay. Technical <laughs> difficulties. Well, we'll pop it back up there in just a second. Let me uh, let me start it over again, and I'll I'll see if it works. But do you want to set it up any any more than what we already um, did? Yeah, I I think you know it's almost like when you. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Oh, you found it. I'd say what, what's ironic to me about it is the whole the whole uh, kind of ministry deal is. Multi-church campuses, so it's kind of a pragmatic approach. You know, you're growing fast, so you got to do something. You have a multi-church campus, you got the screen, mm-hmm. and intentional or not, I think in that type of a ministry setting, what you what you create is a church that's more of a consumer experience. Right. You're coming to experience church, yeah. not so much part of. A church, and this is a. I don't know if he if he even recognizes that this is just the weakness of a church as big as his that is multi campus, because he's going to be talking about people who are alone, and so we'll 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 get some of that. And a lot of what he says is good. I I think it's I think it's stuff that that will be good for our church. That our church needs to be thinking about this stuff too. It's a lot easier in our church. Right, because you look around and you see someone you don't know, it's probably because they're not a member of the church. Yeah, but you go to a church that's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that's in almost like a stadium, and you see somebody you don't know. Who, yeah, probably. Who yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the odds, the odds are that, uh, yeah, you've probably never seen them before. So, all right, I got it pulled up. You ready? 
around each other and love each other. Is that what people experience here? Or do they experience the same isolation in here that they do out there? How quickly do you identify and reach out to disconnected people in the church? Or how about people who just look alone at church? Now, let's make this really practical, okay? How quickly do you reach out and talk to somebody who looks alone? I hear so many people complain that they went to some church and nobody ever talked to them. Rebecca McLaughlin, our friend here, she's been here several times. She says, an alone person in the church is an emergency. Your friends, she says, they can wait. Meet them at Chipotle later. At church, you need to find those people who look alone and introduce yourself to them. Then introduce them to somebody else. When somebody is sitting alone on their phone, she says, you must approach them and you must ask them if they've got somebody to sit with. It should not be said that they came to church and left without anybody knowing their name. So I mean, what if we reserved, let's that's just say good. the first uh, seven that's, minutes that's, right that's before good. church yeah, starts. That's good practical. And yeah, the seven minutes right after, yeah. just to do this. Wouldn't that be a way of demonstrating the gospel saying here you matter and you are important. You're not invisible in here. Do you know what kind of place this would become if we did just that? Honestly, it's one of the things that irritates me about you guys that cruise in 10 minutes late or leave five minutes before we dismiss. It's not that I'm mad that you're missing part of the service. It's that you treat church like it's a religious show instead of a welcoming family that you're a part of. When people say that the church is unfriendly and it feels like a big production, you're the problem. And don't even get me started on you guys that are still sitting at home in your pajamas streaming online when health-wise you can and should be back in church, okay? If you got health issues, I get it, that's fine. If you're traveling, I understand. But some of you are still sitting at home right now on your couch because you've reduced church to a program you watch and that is not church at all. Hey, James is punchy, I get to be a little bit punchy too, okay? All right, there was his excuse for... <laughs> but I do want to, I do want to just... I'm back. just sitting I here just, uh, coveting the backdrop. Well, I just want to... Ba- I just Can we get a cool to, backdrop like that? That's right. I just wanted to back it up. I just wanted to back it up right... Where is it? Um, yeah, he uh, so he gives his his little rant. Um, a person beside you in heaven is likely going to have well, a different accent. There we go. Well, Jay, next time you need to, you need to do it. <laughs> you just need to do it. Georgia, <laughs> you got to learn to run that iPad, my friend. I need to run. I need to learn how to run YouTube. Is what I need to. What I need to do. What are, you, what are you looking for? Well, it's just I was just going to look at I was just going to look at the uh, the backdrop that he had because it pulled out there for a for a oh, second with all so, the that, screens? so that you could see all the all the screens saying, that were uh, there it is that were and behind you, yeah you guys that are still sitting at home in yeah. your pajamas streaming um, online when just double tap should be back in church okay? once on the right it'll go ten seconds if, I think if you, if you double tap it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, Jay. No, not the actual. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> Just the thing, George. Oh, well, oh, oh, I mean, you saw it at the very, like you see it at the very beginning, right? You see it at the very beginning? Yeah, I saw it. There yeah. it is. There so it is. You, it's, you pull back, and it, so he's talking about, that was a, that was a long <laughs> It was a long time just to find this. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, uh, you know, he's talking about how, and a lot of what he says is good. Like if you see someone who's alone that you don't know, go over and introduce yourself. I I remember one time uh, in college, a friend a friend of mine and I went to uh, the one of the biggest churches 
in the town, mm-hmm. and we got there too. Er- we got there too late for Sunday school, but too early for the worship service. And it was us and two older women, maybe three or four pews in front of us. And we were there for probably fifteen to twenty minutes, and they never turned around and said hi to us. Mm. And it was noticeable. Mm. Well, I mean, not like they're so busy with everyone else. <laughs> they just don't want to turn around and talk to us. Yeah. Um and I get that. I mean, I'm not I'm not the most outgoing guy with, with strangers, but in a church you should go out of your way to make visitors feel right. feel welcome. But uh he goes into his rant and he talks about how these people who leave leave uh, they arrive early they or they arrive late, they leave early mm-hmm. um and they're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they treat they treat the church service like it's a show, and then it pulls out and and he's I mean he's on this big stage and uh, what I mean what are, what do you want them to tra- what do you want them to treat this like it looks like a show right it looks like a show um, I couldn't find I've seen some clips but I couldn't find any on YouTube because most of their clips just go right into him preaching but I've seen some of their some clips in the past where. It is like a it is like a show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got you know, at least three screens here. I found a couple of articles from uh, audiovisual companies that worked on Summit Church, and they like advertise like ha- what they did at Summit Church, and they've got like half a million dollars worth of electronic, right? Uh, you know, audio equipment, lighting, and yeah, lighting, and yeah, all yeah. of this. Dim the, li- uh, the, yeah, the lights. Yeah, I mean, on, yeah. I mean, look, this is this is when he comes out. It's it's dark, like everything's dark except where he's except where he's standing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what are you what are you supposed to? But then the 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 kicker, the the part that was really funny is when he was talking about people who stay at home and watch it when they sh- when they should be there mm-hmm. because this is a church that was closed for like eight months mm-hmm. during COVID, right? And this is the church that closed last December. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Christmas. A, I <laughs> forgot Christmas all about that. They closed during Sunday. Christmas. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah. it's funny. It's, I mean, not haha, but this is funny, ironic that he would be criticizing people for staying home when he encourages it. Yeah. Like he does things to encourage staying at home instead of coming to church. Right. The Christmas one and was I a just, big, I that was a know, big one. I don't know if he I don't know if he if he realizes um like he's pointing at them, you're the problem. I mean, I wonder if he re- recognizes how much of the problem is is him. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, that was a big That was ironic. Yeah. Should have brought that gif up of uh, Emperor. Ironic. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, George, I think we've kind of uh, exhausted what we were going to talk about today. What do you think? You got anything else? Uh, I'm done trying to pull up videos for today, Jay. I think I've reached my my limit of fumbling and embarrassing myself. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So we were talking about, uh, in general, uh, the pastoral office, pastoral ambition, the subtle sin that 
is easy to fall into in promoting oneself, uh, but churches also play a role in that. They have the, you know, this you can't just blame this all on pastors, right? Pastors, they, they're part of the culture in general. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, churches are rewarding that type of thing. Um, even whole denominations are rewarding that type of thing. Um, so I don't know what we can do other than uh, wait it out. Uh, God seems to be reforming the church, I think, through yeah. trials and hardships that are here and probably are going to continue right. into the near future. So, um, yeah. Pastor, be happy where you're at, where God put you. Church member, be happy with the man that God has for you, the one who's laboring in the Word for you uh, throughout the week, and not just like through the week, like throughout the year. Um, So if you want things to change, you start where you're at. That's the best, I think, advice. So, and with that, this will be the last podcast we ever produce, so as not to promote ourselves. That's why it's extra long. <laughs> hope, hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll be back for Text Driven Tuesday. Well, I had a good time, George. It's always fun to talk with you, bounce things off of you. Uh, enjoyed it. Thanks for filling in to my dad back here, running the uh, switching the camera back and forth. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. If you have, please give us a like, subscribe, and share. Maybe, and this might be a double dog dare, write us a review. Um, If you're mad at my jokes, just email me. Don't write that on the review. How about that? (laughs) Hopefully you'll come back on Tuesday, and we'll see you then. We'll be back in Hebrews. I'm looking forward to getting back into Hebrews, walking through the text with George. I know that's a great time for me every week. Hopefully it is for you as well. Hope to see you then. Hopefully this helped you to be more conformed to Christ. See you next time.